Good morning. Uh, I'd like for you to meet my new friend, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, and this is your daughter and granddaughter and a friend. They Googled weird churches in Red Oak, and we were the first name that came up. We're glad you guys are with us today. Get to know them before you leave this morning. Um, I've been talking about the secret place. Matthew chapter 6. Let's just read that. I I don't know if we've got any overheads on it or not, but I'll just read it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, go into your inner room. One translation says secret place. Go into your secret place. Close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, I uh, was thinking this week, if you took someone from the remotest region of Africa and they'd never seen another person outside of their tribe, knew nothing of civilization, or if you took someone on a remote island in the Pacific who had never seen civilization and plopped them down in the middle of civilization, Western culture particularly, and said, I want you to examine, study, observe, and give me your conclusion about what Christianity consists of. No Bible, no, no, no experience at all with Western culture, but would you stick them in the middle of it and say, I want you to observe, take some time and observe Christianity, and then I want you to tell us what you have discovered or what you have observed that it looks like to you that Christianity consists of. And I think one of the possibilities, if someone were just to observe it from the outside looking in, they may determine that it's all about going. Wow, those people, they go. They go to church. They go to Sunday school. They go to Bible study. They go to home group. They go to conferences. They go to conventions. And they go to the uttermost parts of the world. It's all about going with Christianity, maybe their observation. And in many cases, they wouldn't be too far wrong. The Christian church today is consumed with going, doing, being in certain places. But the truth is, first and foremost, the Christian life consists of remaining in the same place. That's at the heart of it. The word that Bible uses is abide. And the word abide means to remain in the same place. In a Christian understanding, to abide, it refers to remaining in the place where God is. Remaining in the awareness of his presence. The secret place is not about going to some physical, geographical location 
whether it's a physical closet or a lakeside or a place in the woods. or It's not about going to some geographical, physical location where we perform certain religious activities and then leave until next time we come. And if he, an observer were just to casually look at it and say, well, they go to church and they do this stuff and then they leave and it's, I don't know what they do the rest of the time. They kind of do what everybody else does. And then they come back to that place and they do that stuff again. And the standard is the more you go to that place, the more spiritual you are, the more committed you are. But the truth of the matter is Christianity at its very essence is not about going. It is about remaining where God lives, remaining in his presence. It is about encountering a spiritual rim where his presence dwells and abiding there all day, no matter where we go or what we encounter. It's where we enter into his presence, where, where he lives, and we have determined that he lives here inside of me. And I enter his presence. I am aware of his presence. And I can't go off and leave that presence because it is here in me. But I live in the awareness of that presence. Everywhere I go, I am aware that I am in the presence of God. Everywhere I walk, I am aware that I am in the presence of God. Every word I say, I am aware that it comes from the presence of God. And it is from this place that we live and move and have our being. That's the heart of what this thing called Christianity is about. Living in a conscious relationship with the one who abides inside of us. We cannot... Nor does God expect us to stay in a physical closet all day long. When he says pray without ceasing and he says pray in your closet, he's not saying go in your closet and stay there all day. Now, there may be opportunities to do that. There may be needs to do that. But it cannot and is not intended to be an everyday, all day circumstance because it is an impossibility. We live in a world. But we can abide, we can remain in the secret place where he dwells in us even as we go about our daily activities. So when I walk into this unknown situation where I don't know anyone, that's not true. Because I know someone who is there. I know the Father who's there. When I'm placed in this situation that presses me, I'm not alone. He is there. He lives in me. And the heart of it is living in the awareness of his presence so that everything filters through, through, that, through that relationship. He dwells in that place because it is within. Okay? We abide within. Now, I want to read to you what happens 
whenever we learn to abide. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this. Here's what he says. I'm going to read the whole thing, and we're going to go through and pick part of it. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Who's in charge of the vineyard? The father. The father's in charge. Recognizing that is the beginning of learning to be aware of his presence in me. I'm not in charge. I am not in charge of anything. I talked to someone the other day, and they were talking about, man, I just I can't get my ducks in a row. And I've, you've heard me share this before. Listen, hunters love it when all the ducks are in a row. You pick them off and kill them. He says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. The father is the one in charge of the vineyard. He is the one that oversees the vineyard. And here's what he says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, remain in me, stay in me, and I in you. We already know he abides in us and has committed to remain in us, and there's nothing we can ever do to get him to leave because he didn't come because of what we did. He came because of what Jesus did. He abides in me forever. And so he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branchers. Branches, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, he, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown, as away, thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide, remain, stay in my love. Now, I want you, I'm going to maybe take a license here, and some of you may, uh, you know, a legalist might cringe at this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. When he says abide in my love, I don't think he's saying you can be in my love and you can be out of my love. That ain't love. There are times he loves you, there are times he doesn't love you. I don't think that's even possible. He says nothing can separate us from the love of God. I think what he's saying is remain in the awareness of my love for you. Stay aware of how much I love you so that you can walk. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. All right, let's look at the list of characters here, okay? Who is in charge of the vineyard? The Father. Who is the... Who is the vine? 
Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the vine. Who is the branch? We're the branch. Okay. Now, I got to tell you, I had some understanding of this, but I got a lot more understanding of it after I started growing grapes. It made sense, whereas before, it didn't make much sense. So let's look at this first of all. I am a branch. What is the purpose of a branch? Somebody? To bear fruit. Okay? That's almost right. Okay? That, you, you would draw that conclusion. The purpose of the, of the branch is to stay attached to the vine and to demonstrate the fruit that comes from the vine. Okay? The fruit, the branch, you take the branch by itself, it can't bear, it can't bear nothing. But if it stays connected to the vine, and, and, and he's, the vine he's talking about, whenever you, typically in, in Western culture particularly, when you grow grapes, you have a main stalk that comes up straight from the ground. It's just one. And then usually they'll take branches, they'll take two branches, one off each side, or they'll take four branches, one, two down low and two up high. But the, 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 the vine is that, if you want to call it the trunk, okay, all of the life that will ever get to the end of that branch comes out of that trunk. It comes out of the vine. And the purpose of the branch is to stay connected to the vine and carry the life that's in the vine through itself into fruit, and it becomes grapes. Does that make sense? Okay. So he says, abide, stay, stay connected to the vine. Now, this is interesting also. The trunk or the vine is the ugliest part of the grapevine. I mean, you go out to my vineyard in the winter, and you just think, you might as well pull all that stuff up. It just looks horrible. But what did scripture, what did prophecy say to us about Jesus? It said there would be nothing outwardly that would be beautiful and would appeal to us in the natural. But you know what? All of the life is there. It's all in the vine. And so he says, it's in this secret place. Let me back up. The life comes out of the vine comes through the branch and bears fruit or grapes. Now, on this branch, what you'll notice is that there will be branches springing off of it. And you know what those branches do? They bear grapes. They bear grapes. But there are branches that will grow off of that that won't bear grapes. They are what we call suckers. They suck the life out of the branch that was intended to be fruit. They suck the life out of it. They just, and it's interesting, the more you water them, the more them suckers show up. And you can have a beautiful vineyard with huge vines and Thousands of leaves and no grapes if you leave those suckers alone. But you go out and you observe. Even in the fall, whenever you trim, you cut back. 
all the way down to where it's just a little bitty branch like that. But you observe it, and when those things begin to grow, the ones that don't begin to bear grapes, you cut them off, and you get rid of them. Because all they're doing is sucking life out of the branch that's bearing the life from the vine to produce grapes. It's in the secret place where the father prunes the branch of little suckers that produce no fruit but actually rob the branch of life coming from the life, from the vine. Those branches, those suckers are unnecessary things that try to pull life from the branch. They're distractions. And listen to me. Distractions are not harmless. The fruit that could be produced if the distraction wasn't there is exponentially larger than if you just leave it alone and let it grow. Because it's wasted to go there and produce that. They steal energy and nutrients intended to produce fruit, but they actually don't. You ever wonder if maybe that's why we don't have enough energy for the quiet time, for the secret place? We got these suckers in our life, and they are just sucking the life out of us. And at the end of the day, I can't wait to get in bed. When the morning comes up, I can't wait to stay in bed. I've got no energy. I've got no strength. Jack Taylor used to say, you feel like an old woman ironing on a low ironing board with a cold iron in high heels. Nothing comes of it. You're just tired. All of us have so much energy. All of us have so much time. That energy, that time, when it's comes from the Lord and is free to throw through the branch, will produce fruit. But if we allow the suckers in, they rob us of the life. The branch doesn't make fruit. The branch is the carrier of the life that produces the fruit. I, it it kind of gets me sometimes, well, you got to be like Jesus. What we're saying is you got to produce fruit on your own. Just do it. And we can't do it. If the vine is not solidly connected to the branch, there will be no life transfer. And if there's no life transfer, there will be no fruit. It's from abiding in the secret place that fruit is produced. It is abiding in the secret place. It is abiding in that awareness of him that fruit is produced. And let me tell you something about that fruit. The fruit at the end of that branch has the same characteristics, the same nature, and the same DNA of the vine. If Jesus is the vine, it produces Jesus' fruit. It's not imitation. 
It's not the branch grunting and grinding and I'm going to make some fruit. Okay, I'm going to make fruit. That's not the the vine, the, the branch's job. The branch's job is to stay connected, abide to the vine, and the vine will produce fruit through the branch. And it will be exactly like the DNA that's in the vine. It is from abiding in the secret place that fruit is produced. Now, let me point this out. The fruit is not merely produced so the tree will look good. Okay? I mean, apple trees, I got some apple trees. I don't know what kind they are. And half of them rot, and, and, and you know, and, and I don't know what to do with them. But they're sure pretty when they got apples hanging off of them. And I got plum trees, and boy, they're pretty when they're loaded with plums. I got peach trees, I got pear trees, I got cherry trees, and I haven't figured that out yet, but they're a bunch of sour cherries on that thing. But I got, they're beautiful when they're producing fruit. <clears throat> but the purpose of the branch is not to produce fruit just so it'll look pretty. The fruit is produced for the enjoyment and nourishment of others. A tree doesn't consume its own fruit. A tree, an apple tree doesn't eat its own apples. A peach tree doesn't eat its peaches. Grapevine doesn't eat its grapes. The purpose of, those, of that fruit being produced is for the nourishment of others, of someone else, for new, someone else to, to eat it, to take it, and to, and to be enjoyed. It's intended for others to benefit from what has been produced. The secret place is not just for us. The, the, the branch benefits from the life, but the purpose of the life being in the branch is to produce fruit so that others can eat the fruit. It is nourishment for others. It is enjoyment for others. You see, there came a time in the life of the disciples that were with Jesus, whether they were with him, you know, one year, two years, three years, whether they were with him the whole time. There came a time, if you look in Luke chapter 1, there came a time where Luke said to the 12, bye. Jesus said to the 12, bye, go. You've abided here with me for a year or two years, now I want you to go. I want you to leave. And later on in the same chapter, he says to the 70, bye, go. The purpose of them being there was not merely to be with Jesus. The purpose for them being there was to take what they had received from Jesus and give to somebody else. It wasn't just for them. It was to share the fruit from their time with him. Now, He sends us out. The difference is he doesn't send us out without his presence. He sends us out. I mean, there was only one Jesus there. 
And they were either there in the physical presence of Jesus or they weren't in the physical presence of Jesus. And he was asking them to leave his presence, the physical presence. But he doesn't ask us to leave his presence. He asks us to leave bearing his presence. Because in bearing that presence, that awareness, fruit is grown and produced inside of us for the enjoyment and the nourishment of others. And what we receive from that secret place is not just for us. It's for others. We abide as we go. It's not either or. If you abide, if you try to abide without going, the fruit will rot. This year we had the best grape crop we have ever had. I mean, it's just solid grapes. But there was no rain. And I don't know about you, but I can only afford the water bill for me and Joni to take a bath, and that's pretty important in our family is taking baths. I could not afford to water those grapes, and they just stayed there. You know what they did? They dried up and died. Now you think, ah, raisins. No, it was worse than that. It was dry, dead, rotten grapes because they never went out. They were never harvested. They were never given to someone to enjoy. They were never imparted for someone for nourishment. Simply to try to abide. I mean, have you ever met people who are so spiritual-minded they're no heavenly good? I mean, you know, everything is spiritual. But they can't pull water out of a boot with directions on the heel. I mean, they just can't. They don't know how to how to encourage people or how to bless people. You can't just live your life solely abiding. There has to be the understanding that I'm abiding for a purpose. I'm abiding. I'm going to benefit from it, but I also am abiding because I want to offer nourishment and wholeness to a world that doesn't have it. Now, if we try to go without abiding, then all we have to offer are things of us. I mean, you might have a glowing personality. I'm not one of those. And, and, and I don't have much to give people. If I'm not receiving from the Lord, I'm a grouch. Sometimes I'm a grouch anyway, but, I, you know, If that's all we've got to give people is our smart ideas and our, you know, oh, you poor darling, our sympathy, they have that. What they don't have is the life of Christ manifested through us for their nourishment and for their enjoyment. Abiding as we go produces fruit to offer a malnutritious world, a world that only has been feeding on things earth has to offer. And here's how that looks. I'm abiding. In that abiding, I am receiving the love 
of the Lord. Boy, that is awesome. Awareness that he loves me. You know what? I now have fruit to give to you. I've received this unconditional love from the Lord. Now I have something to give you. If I don't receive it, all I have is just this worked up, generated human love that's typical, uh, that's uh, conditional, that's uh, emotional, and, uh, you know, it takes offense real easy and, and all of that stuff. But if I'm abiding with him and I'm doing it as I go along, as I'm receiving his love, I come into a situation where somebody needs to eat some love fruit. I got it. Not in myself, but I've received it from the Lord. As I'm learning to abide in him, I might receive patience. Boy, he's patient with me. Who is he ever patient with me? And as I receive that patience, I go into a situation where it calls for some patience, supernatural patience. See, some of us have been intimidated about this idea of going out because we don't think we have anything to give, to offer. Let me give you some peace of mind. You don't. Just face that. Jack Taylor used to, I don't know why I'm quoting him this morning. Jack Taylor used to say, I used to have an inferiority complex till I realized I was inferior and there wasn't nothing complex about it. That's it. I got nothing to offer. Where am I going to get what they need? I get it by abiding. And he produces that fruit in me. And as he produces that fruit in me, I have something to give. I can't tell you how many times. Let me just, I'll show you what I'm saying here. Uh, abide in me and I and you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides and abides. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit for apart from me, he can do nothing. I can't tell you how many times in my secret place. And I've been reading, I read Jeremiah. And, uh, ooh, that was strong. And so I thought I'd read Isaiah, yeah. And, uh, but I can't tell you the times that as I'm meditating and spending time in there, a verse jumps out and just quickened to me. And I'm going, wow, that's cool. What's that got to do with me? I didn't hear anything. But some point during the day in a conversation with someone else, they needed that verse. They needed that encouragement. It fit their situation perfectly. That's how it works. I just am with him. I am abiding in him. He is expressing fruit through me. He is bearing fruit in me. And that fruit is not just for me. And if I sometimes say, well, I didn't get anything out of it, keep watching. Keep looking. Don't just discount it. Don't measure it by the flesh. You see, we don't have any problem at all looking at something we can't see, like a little seed we put in the ground. We have no problem at all looking at it and believing. Something's coming. Just wait. Something's going to come. A, a stalk of corn is going to come out of that or a cucumber or a tomato. Something's coming out of there. We don't have any problem with that. For some reason, we have a problem seeing that God works inside of me at times and doesn't fill me in on all the details. 
I can trust him to do it with a seed. Why can't I trust him to do it with his word implanted in my heart? And even though it doesn't measure it, I didn't get this great revelation out of there. He's doing something. He's working. He's producing something inside of me to bear fruit, not just for me, but for others. Now, not only does fruit born through the branch benefit others, and it benefits me, but there is even a better product, byproduct than that, and it's in verse uh, eight, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Isn't that cool? Not only do I benefit from it, not only do you benefit from it, but the father is glorified by it. Sometimes we forget that's really the crux of the matter. Not about us getting out of it what we want. Not a matter of us having exactly all the things we want. The ultimate objective is whether I'm at home or whether I'm absent to be pleasing to him. Whatsoever you do, do to glorify him, to honor him. And he didn't say just go out and figure out some way to honor me. He said abide in me, bear fruit, that honors me, that glorifies me. It's, I, don't, I don't know about you. Well, I, I do know some about you. I know this. I want to make a difference. God forbid. I'll be 73 next week. God forbid. He lived, I plan on doing about 100 and 101. He lived 100 years. And didn't make a difference. Him being gone hadn't been any change at all from when he was here. I want to make a difference. I want it to be different in me. I want it to be different in the situations God places me in. I want to make a difference in the lives of people that I come across. When I leave the presence of somebody, I want them to say, smell that? That smells like the sweet aroma of God. I want to make a difference. Now, I was joking when I said I don't know you. I do know you. And I know that almost to the person in this place, you want to make a difference. You would not be here if you didn't want to make a difference. How do we do that? We learn to abide. We learn to live in the awareness of his presence. Listen. Doing our daily stuff does not eject us from the presence of God. The only thing that ejects us, nothing ejects us from God's presence. What ejects us from the awareness of God's presence is when we find one of them little suckers. And we nourish that baby. Oh, yeah. This makes me feel good. This makes me feel smart. This makes me feel important. And we, and we nourish it, and it gets big, and it keeps getting bigger, and it keeps getting bigger. And we go, where's the fruit? And there ain't no fruit. It's a sucker. It's a distraction. It's a replacement. But we give it time and energy. 
They wonder why we're not making a difference. The life, listen, the life has literally been sucked out of us with things that don't matter, with things that don't produce fruit. I believe in all of my heart that everyone that I know here wants to make a difference. I want to make a difference. It starts by learning to abide in his presence. At first, that starts with a concerted, conscious effort to do it. Later on, you'll learn to walk in it. But typically, you won't learn to walk in it until you learn to consciously make a decision to go there and to be in his presence. I want to encourage you. Those of you that have attempted it, don't think you had much success of it, and quit. I want to encourage you. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Where else are you going to go? I can take that branch off that grapevine and try my best to stick it on that apple tree. It will not produce fruit. It will not produce fruit. Give it another shot. Don't let the argument, well, I don't have time, keep you from doing it. Use whatever time you have. If it starts with two minutes, if it starts with five minutes, wherever it starts, start with that. Learning to be still and quiet and receiving from him in his presence. God, you're good. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Any questions? Any, what'd you hear? What are you taking out of here with you? Anybody want to add to that? Oh, it's so good. That's so rich. Uh, One of the main things I heard was just took out to me was apart from you, I can do nothing. And if, you know, that attitude of dependence on him, really, Lord, I can't do anything without you. Not significant, not eternal. Of course, you can do all things that's made of wood and hay that burns up and is of no value, but that that really stood out to me. The other thing that just kind of was, kind of ministered to me was, I was thinking, okay, what's it mean to abide, Lord? You know, in a very practical way, how do I abide in you? Is it just a matter of just, you know, sitting and being still or, and, and the thing I got was, is when we're still, when we're quiet before the Lord, uh, to ask him questions, sure. honor and bless him. But some questions that just kind of came up to me was to say, Lord, what is my motive in this? And I was thinking there are so many experiences and challenges that we go through on a daily basis mm-hmm. that we can go to him and say, Lord, what's the truth? That, that was the main thing was, what's the truth? Mm-hmm. What's the truth about my motive? What's the truth about my attitude? And then what's the truth about your attitude in this? What's the truth that you want to say to me in this? And just really exalting the truth right. in your heart is a, is a really practical way to abide in him. And then once he speaks the truth to you, abide in it. Hold That's on right. to it. Yeah. Where do I go to find out what to do? Right here. (laughs) I see that hand, lady. Um, The ladies' retreat this weekend was so awesome, and it was about, you know, finding the gifts that the Lord has put in you and, you know, those things that just come natural to me, uh, to, to you. But 
you just reminding me again, if like, if I'm not abiding in the Lord and I try to do that, man, it, it, it's just, it's ugly. It's empty. It's, you know, and you said something a few weeks ago that I have thought about so many times. You, you said, do you know the difference between your thoughts and the Lord's thoughts? And I thought, man, if, Think about that. If all you've had for whatever my 53 years are my thoughts, God, I mean, that chilled me to the, (laughs) I don't want that. I mean, it's death. It's just death. There's nothing there. And so now when I'm having my quiet time, I just begin with, Lord, I want your thoughts. I don't want my thoughts. So Mm -hmm. thank you. See, the standard, the standard for my behavior, okay, what's the standard? For a Christian's behavior, good and bad, right and wrong, evil and good. The, the standard for my behavior is Christ. That's the, how good did you do? Did you do Christ or did you do you? Well, God's standard, his measure is Christ. How do I get that? I receive it from him. I, how do I love you? I receive his love, and then I can give you that love. It's his love. It's not me generating it, trying to make it happen. Chuck? Yeah, it's uh, just, you said, uh, well, what I got out of it, I don't abide. I'm not going into the quiet time for my own benefit, but for the benefit of others. Of others. That's right. <clears throat> Um, I think Paul touched on it for a second, but um, when it says, um, you abide in me and my words abide in you, that word, word is not logos, the written word of God. It's rhema, the imparted, quickened word of God, which we get in the secret place. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Anyone else? Oh, there we go. Sandra. I want to address the issue of motive. Our motives are always mixed. They're always mixed. Mm -hmm. And one of the strategies of the enemy is to get us locked into figuring, oh, what's my motive? What's my motive? But if I just know I have mixed motives, my job is not to sort that out. That's God's job to sort that out. My job is to just walk with him, go where he leads me, do what he gives me to do, and let him Point out to me what motives I need to get rid of at the right time. Yeah, that's good. If he doesn't show us, we don't see it. All right, Father, you're a good God. And you constantly draw us to yourself. Show us how to respond to that. To meet with you. To live in your presence. Show us how to impart that fruit to a world that's hungry a world that's starving, to a world that doesn't know how to be loved unconditionally, to a world that doesn't know how to be kind, to a world that doesn't know how to receive gentleness but sees it as weakness. Father, just reveal yourself to us in that time that we might allow you to bear that fruit in us. We bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead. I actually had one thing. Um, sometimes I'm the 
I'm the small branch that's the furthest from the vine, from the trunk. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. Um, and as long as I know where I'm getting it from, and even though I can't see the trunk, but as long as I stay connected to the vine, knowing that it will come, no matter the cold winter, no matter the hot summer, it will come. I can't see it. It'll come. He's faithful enough yeah. to come through. Yeah, he's faithful, even if I'm not. All right, you're dismissed.